Hey, true crime listeners, check out our podcast, I Said Goddamn. We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by two besties who like to share messed up cases that make you say, Goddamn. Every Sunday, we try to one up each other's story by sharing a horrific case the other has never heard of. Along the way, we splash in some wildly inappropriate jokes and colorful language. Listen every Sunday from any of your favorite podcast directories. Also, follow us on Twitter at ISGD Podcast or visit our website, isgdpodcast.com. Lettuce, eat lettuce. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a dealership down in southern Indiana called Romaine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's spelled different, but anyways, um, they called us on a dealer trade and they got my brother. Now this was some time ago, and he said, "Aren't you gonna say, will you let us have it?" <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> They've never heard it before, I'm sure. No. Oh, no, I'm never. sure. Do the countdown. But since Carla's not here, but you I do. Am... Okay. In five, four, three. Hey, everybody, this is Danielle. And this is Daniel. Marcus. Marcus. <laughs> is that your legal name? No, no, but I wish it was. My mother was... Um... To uh, this is a, a Bible thing. A Bible, a Bible ah. thing. Or I would even go with just Mark with a C would be my preference. But as an adult, and I could go change it if I want. I go ahead. No, that that's much. a lot of paperwork. Yeah, I don't have any idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so Carla is still in Spain. She doesn't care about us or this podcast. Nope. At all. Nope. She, she has a life. She's busy. Okay. Busy eating piglets. <gasps> that was the worst thing. Oh yeah, that I saw that, and I'm thinking, what the fuck? She just thinks she's so cultured, and I'm gonna do as the Madridians do and eat baby pig leg. So Carla sends this <laughs> picture in, and it's her sitting with this piece of pork, and the leg's still attached. It's got a foot. It looks. I think of, it was an arm. I don't know. I'm I pretty sure it was a front leg. It was a front leg. In the hoove. Hoove. That would be hoove you. The hoof. That would be hoove you. I like that. <laughs> you know why they do that, right? Mm-mm. So you know well, it's actually pork? Exactly, yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, it could have been a dog. How would you know if they don't leave a foot on there? Well, that's true. Oh. Yeah. So they do it with rabbits around here. Oh. Yeah. Well, you get your lucky rabbit's foot off of a rabbit that lost the other three. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> that's why a lot of people don't serve rabbit. New at our O'Charlie's. Ugh. Rabbit and coleslaw. Where's Eddie? He usually eats these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's talking about a uh, squirrel. The squirrel. Not since he found out they were high in cholesterol. <laughs> it was a um, uh, Christmas vacation. Oh, <laughs> the hillbillies whose RV looks exactly like the one in front of our house. White trash, garbage RV. That, yeah, it ticks me off, and it's not even my house. Piece of junk. I know. I, it doesn't run. And I was on the phone with him. 
when I and I pulled open the blinds and I saw it ba- being backed in around the court. And I was like, what? what? They sold it. It's gone. Why is it back? What's going on? And then <laughs> the kid, what happened? What happened? And I was like, nothing happened. There's an RV. What's it? She goes, she, R. She called me at work. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she never calls me unless... Typically, if she's calling me, it's because I called her first and she didn't answer, so she's calling me back. When you answer, or when I answered, I could tell you were a little upset, and I'm like, well, that's why I said, what happened? What happened? <laughs> I couldn't, I just stand, staring out the window looking at it. I thought it was funny more than any, you know what I was mad about? If they had had it here, you know, a week earlier, it had been here for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we could have put a mannequin out in front of it. <laughs> Like that should be a thing. People should dress up mannequins like Cousin Eddie with a hose. I know. We could have done and a, a sign and if people have their RVs hanging out in the street, you just go do it. Mm-hmm. It's just, I can't, it's so big and it's not even a new RV and it doesn't run and it's just screaming white trash. Yeah, it really does. Every time you look at it, it screams. It really does. But it has a stained glass window on the side door of a cactus. Yeah, it is pretty beat up. Mm-hmm. The engine cover's gone. I wonder why it came back. I mean, if they sold it, was there a warranty involved here? I don't know. Who knows if they actually sold it. Maybe someone was using it. I'm not really all that upset about it. I really don't care. I hate it. Let's see. Yesterday, we went to the zoo. How about you? (laughs) Mom, you, me, and our daughter. And it was an oddly warm day in Indiana. It was like 50 degrees. Maybe a little more, actually. Maybe a little more. Yeah, it was nice. So it's kind of crowded there at the zoo. And when you walk in our zoo, there's a lot of monkeys and birds. And one of the female lions, or both of them, recently killed the male lion. We're not sure what the grounds were or if any charges have been pressed. Could have been self-defense. Could have been. That's what I would claim. Never trust a, trust a lion. Because they're because lions. Because they're lions. <laughs> <laughs> the lion's out. We didn't make it all the way back there this time. I was going to say when it's, I mean, maybe on a day like today they go out, but I wonder when it's cold. I feel like they either stay inside or I don't know if they have heaters out there. I don't know. The monkeys were cold. Yeah, they were. They were huddled together. Literally just looked like they were like freezing. Mm-hmm. Were those the new monkeys? The new monkeys. But I think those are Arctic monkeys, so they're used to... They didn't act like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how even out there, they you always see them in groups huddled together. But right next to then the monkeys, there's the walrus tank. And I, as we're walking in, I was telling dad that this, you know, this walrus is pretty entertaining, really. He does a lot of stuff. And I think he's on YouTube. Uh, I don't know. His pack is his name. Something like that. I don't know. But. I'd have to look it up. Hang on. We've been there. How do you spell pacac? P A K. I got that far. A K. <laughs> and I was saying, we've been here before, and he'll push his whole face up against the glass and vomit up fish and then suck it back in just to hear everyone scream or everyone's reaction. So he's pretty entertaining walrus. And we waddle in, and there's a fair amount of people in this. It feels kind of underground, but it's just down a hill in closed space with. You could sit with, it's got bleachers almost. And he's right up on the glass, right there. And we're trying to let our daughter get up closer to it. And mom has her kind of, and there's a little step that kids can step on to feel like they're getting even closer. And he's like 
singing. He, I mean, mm-hmm. he, and I was like, I feel like I've never heard a walrus sing before. It wasn't very good. No, but it was like, huh. But he's right up there and flipping water around and huddled up on the glass. I mean, it's a 3,000 pound animal. Mm-hmm. It's got its tusks up against. Is that how much they weigh? Yeah, mm-hmm. three thousand pounds. Yeah. He's got his tusks up on the glass, like, and singing, and kind of hunched over, wiggling around. And I'm trying to step back, and I took a short video because he was singing, and took a video of it. And then afterwards, mom comes over and she's like, "I think that walrus was pleasuring himself with a tire." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then she's like, he had a tire like tucked up under him, and I think he was rubbing himself on <laughs> I didn't notice it myself. And at the end of the video, you, you really see the could tire. hear him. That, yeah. that kind of like screeching you hear. Yeah. yeah. You, that, that's him. Yep. Yeah, he, that's at, right. at the end of my little video, you can kind of see him turn sideways and he is holding a tire and doing some melodic singing. It's pretty good, though. <laughs> pretty good singing. I was just like, <laughs> like a whale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the females were in the tank, but apparently they weren't in the mood. They so. look like a tire. No, they don't look like a tire. This is my spirit animal. <laughs> the horny walrus. Yes, if I was if I was on display as an animal, isn't that what you would do? Just public masturbation all the time. They can't get mad that at you. That you you poop. That's the, the gorillas. Yeah. I think really have the best. You know, they can mm-hmm. do just about anything. Mm-hmm. So that that was the main event. There's a video of a silverback gorilla pooping, eating its poop. Oh yeah. Throwing up its poop yep. and re-eating it. Would yep. you like to see it? No. I like the tire better. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh man. That was we saw the dolphin show. She liked that. Mostly like the playground at the zoo with the other children who should be in cages. But instead we cage the animals. <sighs> Do you remember anything else from the zoo? You lost your I remember hat. being the eggman. Cuckoo chew. That's what he kept saying. Because the walrus. <laughs> yeah. Funny story. I say that every time as well. That's yeah. why I said it. I, I go, where did that come from in my brain? Because I don't even know if I really know what that means. It's because every time I'm with him, he says it. Yeah. And we've been together long enough, his sayings become my sayings. And it's just like, I don't know why I'm saying this. <laughs> I must have known this at one time. <laughs> <laughs> you lost your hat. And then we found, my hat. found your hat, but it might not be your hat. I think it is actually. The more I thought about it, it wasn't worth finding. But no, if you come it. down with the case of the head crabs, we know it wasn't your hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually true. thought of that. So you like how I called it the yes, head crabs? Yes, I got it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode, I don't I think is the fiftieth. I don't know what number specifically, but we've been doing this for a year. And to celebrate, we didn't invite Carla. So I'm going to say it. And The one that's in Spain. We yeah, showed her, didn't we? We showed you. You can't Ooh. come to our podcast while you're eat, out there eating pig legs, you heathen. Yeah, we've been doing this a year. And I guess this starts like season two. Season two. Not that that means anything either. Is it a sequel? 
Mm-mm. Okay. Well, we'll just have, for season two, we'll just have your dad yeah, replace yeah. Carla. Yeah. We could probably do that. I'm available. Because he has nothing better to do than to do this podcast. Yeah. That's true. No. No. We just, don't either. We need to get a, get a contract <laughs> signed and we're ready to go. What do you want in your contract? <laughs> we don't we don't make very much we money. Have, we have to have bottled water. Yep, got to provide bottled that. Water. Bottled water. Yeah. And some form of bestiality. What? That <laughs> that's what a... well, that's what that walrus was. No. That tire was consent consenting? Well, it was a <laughs> maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm I still think tire. though even if you're watching a horse or I'm sorry, a horse. Wow. Even if you're watching a walrus rub one out, I think that's still considered bestiality. I'm not going to debate this. <laughs> if anyone out there knows the answer to this, let Don't Danielle know. Us. Yeah, we've been doing this for quite a while. We never received a dick pic, which is just, I'm impressed. Because normally people just, people just feel the need to share stuff like that. What's that mean? Well, now you're asking for it. No, we've, I've mentioned it before that I thank people for not sending that. Okay. Explain to my dad what it is. It's exactly what it sounds like. Looks kind of a good thing then. Yes. Mm -hmm, Yep. And, or any other body part pictures never received because he wanted to make sure that if I did receive a picture that I had to share it, no matter what it was, in case it was a female picture. (laughs) Women don't do that. No. (laughs) Unless they're getting paid. No. (laughs) (laughs) So really that, I'm impressed. I still don't understand what it is. A it's dick a, pic? It's a picture. Oh, you mean just a picture for no reason? Yeah. Correct. Like oh, okay. Here. I thought it meant something. You know, no, like, no. Like and, your and episode sucked and... No, an un, unrequested picture. You can and, do that, huh? Like yeah. perhaps... Because we have an email. Perhaps you'll fall in love with somebody. Through, by sending by dick pics? going, oh my. Well, you said you would what take a nice, What a nice looking wiener. To the dealership or and show everyone. All your coworkers. That's the last time you said, if anyone does that, I will take it to Oh, work. well, yeah. Everyone will see. Hey, and, look what we got sent. Mm-hmm. And then someone will try to print it out on a picture. On yes. A t-shirt. Yes. It'll, it'll make its run through Photoshop and some other tools we have at our dispense. Can we name it? <laughs> then you have to keep it. Anthony? <laughs> oh, man. I like Anthony. Okay, okay. We can work with that. Can we call it Tony for short? (laughs) When it's cold? That's my my political statement for the day. Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner. Oh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's not political. That's just funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, yep, new in this for a year. I appreciate everyone that listens and Daniel for showing up. And Dad, you actually listen to me talk about the podcast a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about it a lot. And mom watches our daughter usually, always. And Carla isn't here, so I don't have to thank her. And she'll never hear it. No, she won't. <laughs> so we can say anything we want. So we thank our Patreon peoples that help pay for us to run the websites. Gracias. And to pay off expensive audio equipment that we have. This thing right here. Mm-hmm. Which is why it sounds so good. The first couple episodes, not so good. Not so good. But what are you going to do? How many episodes did we do with the original equipment? Four. Was it that many? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have actually, four or five, I actually have in the notes on those episodes that it sounds better by five. Not smarter, but better. We'll have, we'll have someone type out a script and we'll re-record it. Okay. 
I don't think you can recreate <laughs> that magic. Uh-uh. I don't think you can. Digitally remastered. All right, how long have we been going? Six. 16 minutes. Okay, that seems like minutes. enough. Enough for what? Usually we have like an intro that we an always- An opening dialogue. Yeah, that people either love or hate. It's one or the other. And mm-hmm. the people that don't like it, they let you know about it. Yeah, they're like, quit babbling. All the bad. like, no, that's why we're here. But that's the same thing with anything that you feel you buy, it, whether you're spending your time or your money. Mm-hmm. If you're really happy about it, I mean, there's very few people that they go around and tell people how happy they were with everything. Mm-hmm. If you're just happy in general, you won't share that experience unless someone approaches you about it or for whatever reason it comes up. But if you're angry, oh yeah, oh yes, you're gonna let everyone hear. We had a mildly positive review and said we were good, except for the deviating from topic. <laughs> and oh, I was like, well, yeah, I'll take it. That's the good part. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'll say it. But I leave a timestamp at the like in you the show notes. You can't take your uh, you can't take your ADHD medication this late at night. So Mm-mm. apologies. But I leave a timestamp <laughs> in the show notes of where you can skip us talking, like this part. Like, here's when I start talking about the actual case. So if you want to fast forward, it won't hurt our feelings. Right? Right. Right. Correct. But then we can't be friends, so whatever. For our one-year anniversary, I did absolutely nothing different than what I always do, just to pick the case. All right. Daniel, get your phone ready so you can tell us where this is. Uh Uh-oh. You could have told me that in advance. I'm telling you right now. Okay. On the early morning of March 29th, 1996. What were, where were you in 1996? 1996. I, I, um, were we living in Greenwood? Carlo would have been four. So that's 22 years ago? Mm-hmm. 23 now. 23. Well, I was young. Hmm. I liked it. This is one of the better times in my life because I was young. Er. Er. Hmm. Oh, you wanted to know where it was? Yeah. Um, that's that's got to be Alcona, don't you think? No. Twenty two. Well, we were there. T- we moved in like two thousand one. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. So we were in Greenwood on Raymond Ray. Monterey. Monterey. There you go. I like that house. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting house. Yeah, it was. Big square feet on one level. It was a ranch. On one level, yeah, it was mm-hmm. huge. And why did we ask that question? Because that's, I don't know. We kind of, I don't know why I do. And why does he need his phone out for that? He's going to tell, I'm going to tell him. Oh. Okay, so it's March 29th, 1996. A man was driving to work on a rural Warwick County, Indiana road. Look up Warwick County. Warwick? Mm Mm-hmm. I've heard of that. Mm Mm-hmm. W-O-R-R-I-C-K? Yeah. Wait, W what? A-R-R-I-C-K. Oops. Carlos better at that. Nothing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tell me where it is. No. Warwick. Warwick. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, it's near Santa Claus, Indiana. <laughs> you were digging way too long. <laughs> digging way too long. You got <laughs> done <laughs> took about at the exact a same time. <laughs> you took too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's near Evansville. How far are we from Evansville? You're you not... figure that out Aww. your goddamn self, because it'll take me too long to look it up. Three hours or thereabouts, I'd say. Since there's, a, is there a highway yet? 
Yes. Is it's coming all... this way. It, okay, it's not done, though. It's closer to Kentucky than central Indiana. It's at the bottom foot part mm-hmm. near Evansville and, and Santa Claus, Indiana. Thank you for your help, Daniel. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. So a man was driving to work on a rural War- Warwick County, Indiana road when he saw a pickup truck on the side of the road. It was up against a fence post and the passenger door was open. When he got to work, he called the local sheriff's department and reported it. Police and EMTs were dispatched to the location. I would have got out and looked at the, I was like, what's going on? But I guess he didn't see anything other than a car on the side of the road. Right. A truck. They noticed that the 1980 Datsun truck was riddled with bullet holes and inside lay three people that were very much dead. Uh, they would later be identified as John Tyler, 29, his wife, Kathy Tyler, 29, and their friend, Brandy Southard, 21. And at the autopsy, not only had all three been shot with a 30-round SKS assault rifle, the women had also been stabbed, which just seems really excessive. Hmm. I think they said the truck had been shot anywhere between 10 and 30 times. I was like, well, 30 would kind of be the max if that was the full round that the rifle could hold. So it was later determined that the Tylers had picked up Brandy from work in a nearby Evansville around 10 p.m. that night and were less than a mile from their home at the time of their deaths. The front door of Brandy's mobile home was open and a window in the back of the house had been broken. Inside, it looked as if someone had ransacked the place. So police, their first point of investigation is usually the spouse did it. Sure. Or the boyfriend or whatever. Well, the couple in the car are married, so they're dead together. And then the girlfriend, her boyfriend, was in jail. So it couldn't be... But one of the other two had an affair going. That's possible, yeah. So her boyfriend was Charles Troy Naper. And he was incarcerated. Probably these people all go by their first and middle names? Yes, are they all... Even I took out a couple. Or did they just put the middle names because... They put... No. Yeah. It was in parentheses like, his name was this, but he went why something totally different that made no actual sense to his first name. And there were a bunch of those in here. I was like, just just go with the name God gave you. <laughs> uh, because it seemed like anyone and everyone associated that with this case had issues with the law at some point or another. One of the first names outside of Charles to be seriously considered was a man named Guy Jimmy Knight Jr. And that's a name. He was looked at almost immediately for a few reasons. The first was that Brandy's mother informed investigators that Brandy had told her a few days ago about Jimmy had threatened her. The story was that Charles was spending time in jail because he had been caught while driving on a suspended license. And apparently Jimmy felt that this was the fault of Brandy. I don't know why, but and I think it has to do with drug delivery or transporting of drugs that you put the guy that I is working for me in jail. And that compromises my business. That inside one of his pockets, there was a note. The note was written in John Tyler's handwriting and was addressed to Charlie at the county jail. I guess was addressed to Charles at the county jail. The note talked about the fact that Jimmy had supposedly threatened not just Brandy, but also 33-year-old John Stevenson. One of the murder victims has a note in his pocket written to the girlfriend's boyfriend in jail that this guy's been threatening him. So it also is saying he's threatening a John Stevenson. That's the other important name. Jimmy even owned the type of gun that they were looking for. <laughs> so I was like, ah, Jimmy, Jimmy it's not looking good for you. You're messing up, bud. Ah. <laughs> Just so, like uh, Kennedy. 
Kennedy assassination mm-hmm. because Lee Harvey Oswald owned the okay. exact type rifle that... It's not looking good. No. Right. But Jimmy was not hard to find because on the morning the bodies were found, he had turned himself into the police department as he had been charged with auto theft. So did he have an alibi? Mm, kind of. <laughs> it's like... Uh... Obviously, seeing as John Stevenson apparently ran in the crowd with the Tylers and Brandy Southerd and others, as well as his name being on the note in John Tyler's pocket. Now, the Tylers, they were the dead people, right? Yeah, and in his pocket was a note. There was also a man by the name of Jeff Martin. He, too, owned an SKS assault rifle, just like Jimmy. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff doesn't look good either. Jeff and his wife, also named Brandy had seen the Tylers and the other Brandy on the evening before. Once again, like most of the people in the story, Jeff had his own legal issues. He had already served time for drugs, and according to his wife, after discovering the type of weapon used in the murder, and he had his rifle that was the same, <laughs> he got rid of it along with his other guns from his house and because... Because he was a felon. Yeah, and having those guns yeah. would be a violation of his probation. It doesn't look good for Jeff either. It was said that Jeff was a drug dealer and that John Stevenson de- helped deliver his drugs for him, also known as a courier. Or a mule. Yeah. Does a mule, mule mean, though, you're like packing the drugs up in you? No. Okay. If you, if you move them. It's mule. And that's, all, that's your only job. Mm-hmm. You are a mule. So Stevenson was interviewed on March 30th. He denied the killing, but he himself had sought out the police to say he had, been, he had seen the victims that evening. So he's saying... I didn't do it, but I did but see I him. But I saw him. But so just so you know. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go there either. I'm not lying. <laughs> I just happened to see them that night. <laughs> did you have someone with you that saw them at the same time? The other problem. He also owned an SKS <laughs> there assault rifle. There must have been an SKS rifle. assault rifle dealer in the yes. area for a while. Like, hey, man, you got three for the price of two right here. Oh, so that doesn't help either. He told investigators, though, that he had sold it to a man in Kentucky. In a parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you get your guns? But they were never able to find it. His wife was interviewed at the same time, but she would continue to maintain that he was with her the whole night. So your wife is your alibi, and they never liked that. No, they don't like that. Then there was a man named Dale Funk. And that's just, I like that. According to Dale, he was not only with Stevenson when he committed the murders, but was also with him when Brandy Southard's home was broken into. So Dale's rolling on John yeah. Stevenson, yeah. saying, like, he's guilty, I'm not. He said that while at the home, Stevenson had walked around the back, and after Dale heard the sound of breaking glass, Stevenson came to the front door and opened it. So he broke in through the back and walked to the front door and opened it. Now, while there seemed to be footprints in the mud leading to a broken window in the back and no prints appeared to return to the front, it was questioned as if this were a, was even true because there was a dresser in front of the said broken window <laughs> that was higher than the window. It would have been very difficult, if not impossible, to get into the house. <laughs> Stevenson associated with Brandy and Charles, and it would be likely he had been inside their home prior. So we're all drug users, dealers, I'm assuming users. Yeah. and. It it was Dale's statements that led investigators to arrest John Stevenson. So Dale basically just pointed a finger and said, he did it. And they go, good enough. Yeah, you came first, so mm-hmm. you're right. I think it was alleged that he broke into the house to steal the ammunition for the assault rifle. And it's like, it's your if it's his rifle, why don't you have ammunition for it? 
Like, why is it in someone else's trailer? It was a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I used my context clues that it was a to trailer. figure out that it might be a trailer. <laughs> um, he would later testify. Okay, so Dale Funk would later at- testify at trial that he had repeatedly lied in his initial statement to police at least thirty-five times. This dude was counting the lies to the police. He's like, I ran out of fingers. I got to take my shoes off (laughs) to count with my toes. He also testified that he had doubted his own recollection until police took him to the scene of the crime. So they're saying, come on, Dale, what happened? Walk us through it. And he's saying, well, let's see what I can make up. So now they have arrested Stevenson basically solely on the words of Dale Funk. They have no fingerprints at the scene of the murder or at Brandy's and Charles' home. Or a murder weapon. They did pull some evidence from the crime scene for forensic testing, but they were waiting on results. So they don't have a lot to go on, but it doesn't matter. Then enter Brian Mossberger. He went to the police after Stevenson's arrest to make his own claims. He stated that Stevenson had come to his house after the murders and while washing off a bloody knife and allegedly saying the victims were no more. Quote, end quote. Were no more. That's it? That's the best you could come up with? <laughs> He, went, he was a big Poe fan. Yeah. He went on to say that Stevenson had given him the SKS assault weapon and asked him to get rid of it. Brian said he took the weapon and buried it, but would later take investigators to where it was. The defense would claim at trial that the weapon was not tested for any kind of fingerprints, hair fibers, or blood. Forensic experts testified... However, there was fecal matter on it. You know? That's how they dirt. got rid of the other... Yeah, it was like a lot I mean, of why, dirt. Why are we burying a rifle? Yeah. Forensic experts testify that Stevenson's Buick Regal contained no blood or other Aha. evidence. <laughs> also, fecal matter was found in the seat of that. <laughs> Although Indiana State Police Sergeant David Anderson told the court, it was very unusual for me that we found nothing in the vehicle and suggested that it had been cleaned up before being nabbed by the police. So they're saying he just did a super good job of cleaning out his car. And it's like, really? That good a job? Prosecutors are not required to give a jury a motive or reason why a crime occurred, but we all want one. Shit happens. So they don't. They don't have a reason why this guy did this. He just did. That's it. Who knows why? Not not usually. Yeah. Those are the most maddening. I know. That's like the shooting in Vegas. Yeah. Oh, That's like, going to haunt people for years as to why why he did it. We want to know why Stevenson would supposedly chase the Tyler's vehicle and then repeatedly shoot the victims and then go stab them. So they were determining now he was in his Buick Regal with Dale Funk chasing the Tyler's Dodge truck down at 10 p.m. or later at night on a rural road and then shot at their truck and shot them and then got out and stabbed them and then got back in the car with Dale Funk. So I could see where there may not be any blood. You only blood on a knife and not in the car. I don't know. It why, sounds. Why would odd. you even do that? Yeah. I mean, why would you get out and stab people you already killed? Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's like, and only the women too. I don't know if they were the closest They're or the thorough. least dead. He died with like his foot on the accelerator, so it was like I'm getting away from you people, and he probably got shot while driving and wrecked the car. Is what I was guessing. Let's see. The exact time of death was never pinpointed was a key contention as Stevenson attempted to offer an alibi for the time prosecutors believed the murder occurred. 
the defense presented a civil engineer to provide estimates of driving times between various locations where Stevenson was seen the night of the attack in an attempt to create doubt that he would have been present when the shooting occurred. He can't be there. He was over here. And it takes at least 25 minutes to get from there to there. See, I could have gone to school for this. That's my new dream. To be one of the bad reenacting No, to be an engineer and be like, this is this far (laughs) from this. We got on Google Earth and looked. Oh, they didn't have Google Earth in 1996, did they? No. A tape measure. Just take a tape measure measure with you everywhere. (laughs) I own a million tape measures, and I just line them up from one location to another. You probably will want to get one of the ones on the wheel. Yeah, and I just walk the distance. We got one of those at work once, and I like just started walking around the entire building, like wheeling it around, telling people, "Hey, just so you know, it is this many feet from my desk to yours." And they go, "That's cute, Daniel. Go away." <laughs> uh, no, people were very glad to have the information. So oh. when they knew when they get their steps in, Sin, yeah. <laughs> God. His defense tried to focus attention on possible suspects, including Herschel Surfert. Surfert. I don't know. Well, don't we have it narrowed down to three guns? I mean, it's yeah. got to be one of those three people, right? Yeah. And it I wouldn't be that hard to figure out from there, I wouldn't think. And I feel like I never or read they anything. they all did it. Yeah. I never read anything confirming ballistics. Like, it came from your gun. Yeah. Like, and not the other two. The, I didn't read anything of that. So, I don't know if they didn't have it. Because they had all the shell casings and bullets, and they had three rifles to pick from. And I start with the one that got buried. Yeah. So, they've got another guy. Herschel. From Boonesville, Indiana, which just sounds quaint. He was on a separate trial for drug charges for having more than a pound of crank. That's mm. home of the Boone's Farm. The the wine. <laughs> yes, the nice uh, two dollar wine you find mm-hmm. at your local gr- uh, gas station, <laughs> or you find Gross. in your car when you're in high school. <laughs> yeah, no, that was in my car. That's how old Boone's Farm is. <laughs> oh yes, yes, we had Boone's Farm. <laughs> I've heard Mom talk about it. Yeah. So crank. I don't actually know what crank is. Is that meth? Meth. Mm-hmm. I was going to say coke, but really, rural Indiana was meth. There's a movie about meth heads. I think. <laughs> Look at your phone. I need a loaf of bread. Capone ate a loaf of bread. Oh God. <laughs> is that what you're telling me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Hold on. Let me get back to this. So he's got a pound of crank, and they brought him in. It's a lot of meth. For this trial, Stevenson's There's a movie trial. about meth heads, and it's called Crank. Have we I'm seen pretty that? sure. No, that was one I watched with Tatum. Okay. So he, they bring him on the stand for this guy's trial and say they think he was part of it. It's connected. So he gets up on the stand and says, I plead the fifth. And that's all he says. And they're like, see? See how bad that is? And they're like, nope, <laughs> we don't see it. <laughs> They went with the uh, Mark Herman, was that his name? The detective from the OJ oh, case. Oh, yes, it was. Furman. Furman, yeah. Yeah, Mark Furman. Mm-hmm. I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. Yeah. So the prosecution believed this drug conspiracy may have provided an explanation of a motive, but it did not absolve Stevenson of committing the actual murder. So it's like, you're just bringing this dude in to tell us why he killed these people. We don't need to know why. We just need to know that he did do it. But this guy just, I plead the But fit. there's always motive. Yeah. So, but that's what, it's drug related somehow is what they're saying. I can't believe that it was meth. That's so 1996. <laughs> if it was modern day, it'd be heroin. 
There you of go. Of course, heroin. Of course. Yes. The drug of choice. Cheap. Cheap. And all of them started out smoking marijuana. It's a gateway. Dun, dun, dun. It's a gateway because you don't all of a sudden one day decide, I'm going to shoot meth. Unless you've done pot. pot? And a lot of it. It's a gateway to Taco Bell. That's what pot <laughs> is. Yeah. The Stevenson trial would become the most expensive and longest in Indiana history until... I think the Richmond Hill explosion is the most expensive one now. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know about the longest, mm-hmm. but I think it was. I mean, so this was up until then. I mean, the trial for Richmond Hill really didn't seem to last all that long. But it was because there were so many defendants that you had a break in between each one. You didn't have to figure it out either. Mm-hmm. I knew who did it. Yeah. Everybody knew who did it. So this trial cost taxpayers more than half a million dollars, and it lasted 140 days. So this is just one defendant. It's not three or four separate people that were trying. And I was like, where is all this information that you talked for 140 days? You know, I've got five pages here, and that's about it. So the jury selection alone took nearly three months. Opening statements began on December 30th, 1996, and the jury returned with a guilty verdict on May 8th, 1997, after how long of deliberation? An 15 hour. minutes. Three hours. Three hours. Three yeah. hours. Now, isn't it statistically true or factual that anything under three hours or three hours and under, they usually come back with not guilty? I don't know. Or but guilty? Maybe with guilty. There's one of them that they come back fairly quick. If they come back quickly, there's a reason why. And yeah. it might be a longer time span than that. The reason, though, that the three hours is incredibly problematic, I will tell you. He was ultimately convicted of three counts of murder, burglary, and theft. They recommended the death penalty. Wah, wah, wah. Three hours of deliberation for the death penalty. I was like, guys, you got to talk. I mean, pretend to talk longer. Like lunch, smoke break, something. Talk longer. So the judge sentenced him on June 17th, 1997. Aside from the three death penalty sentences that he received, he also received 10 years for burglary and a year and a half for theft. No fine? No. Oh. I, I didn't see that. Maybe they maybe did. there should be like a $3 million fine in there somewhere. Yep. He has to sell maybe all of his to crank. Sell his trailer. Yeah. Crank, trailer, and that assault rifle. <laughs> if he's going to come up with $3 million bucks, that tra- or his trailer better be made of <laughs> meth. Hours <laughs> Drive, south of Chicago, in the state of Indiana, is one of America's oldest and most notorious maximum security prisons. The majority of the 1,900 inmates here are serving long sentences for unspeakable crimes. And when I came at you, I wasn't just going to stick you an inch. I was going to run something all the way through. Get out of here! Twelve are due to be executed on the orders of the state. I do deserve to be executed. Bottom line, I I ain't gonna candy coat it. I deserve to be executed. The average sentence at Indiana State Prison is 52 years. In Britain, that might seem like two life sentences, but it's infinitely preferable to having an execution order hanging over your head. Now, when the death penalty is asked for, there has to be what they call aggravating factors. This can be things like murder occurred during the commission of another crime, premeditation, 
or in this case, the prosecution claimed that Stevenson intentionally just discharged a firearm from a vehicle, committed multiple murders, and committed at least one of the murders by lying in wait. How do you lie in wait when you're pursuing a vehicle? <laughs> so that's a good question. So if it was only maybe that since he was laying, he was lying in wait for the vehicle. No, he was behind him. All the like the bullet holes were from behind. But that's what I'm saying. Maybe they're saying that he knew the vehicle. Was, he was looking for him. Yeah, that's possible. It just seems or he was so, waiting for a car, or like I'm waiting for their car to drive by before I follow it, type thing. Yeah. It's still so. If you took away the lying in wait, I didn't know that discharging a firearm from a vehicle was an aggravating factor. But I guess it would be because drive-by shootings and stuff mm-hmm. like they don't like that. Yeah. Uh, most of the information indicated that Stevenson had chased them in a vehicle. This information would have come from Dale Funk, considering he claimed to have been with Stevenson the whole time. The theory would have been that John Tyler and the other victims knew they were being chased, and he lost control on the rural road and ran into a fence pole. However, nothing indicated this was a known fact. So Dale never said, this is how they ended up on the side of the road. I know because I was in the car. It was just, he did it. End of statement. And we went to that one house and he broke it. Yeah, I think we need more info. Dale, Dale. if Stevenson, with Dale in the vehicle, chased the Tyler's truck, would he not have told how their vehicle ended up the way it did? How then does the prosecution say he was lying in wait? We kind of talked about that. Yeah. And how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Then how they had gone on to say, based on Dale's story, that when he had gone into the Southerherd home, he stole the ammo in which he was to kill the victims. And yet, again, there was no forensic evidence for that. And I was like, just because, I mean, I don't think he wore gloves. But they're saying they couldn't prove that he broke into the house besides Dale. And we, Dale, Dale's not real credible. At no, this no. For all we know, Dale could own an r- assault rifle, too, somewhere. Might as well be four of them. <laughs> so the idea is like the note listing John Stevenson as someone who's being threatened. Like, why would John Tyler be concerned for Steven- Stevenson's welfare if Stevenson's like about to kill him? And I was like, just I was like, I don't know if drug crimes always make sense. Like, I'm, well, they're on drugs at the time. Yeah, that, that's that what I, mean. does I was like, things uh, kind of uh, yeah, I was like, right, skew. you owe us money, you owe us drugs. Yeah, you, like I don't know. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Bang. <laughs> so they didn't have fingerprints and the weapon was not tested for blood or fibers just investigators taking the word of all the other wonderful criminals in this case that own assault rifles so in 2009 an appeal was made for ineffective trial counsel surrounding the issues of the fact that during his trial he had been given an electric stun belt under his clothes so first, he's saying, I had ineffective counsel. And they're like, dude, this was the longest and the most expensive trial. You didn't have crappy counsel and it go on that long. So that's bullshit. But they put, you know, like you're not allowed to have inmates in like jail attire. They're in suits or whatever. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, because then the jury will see them as guilty just by wearing jail jumpsuits. Because you're already like, well, Aren't he looks they shackled? like. shackled? Yeah, not necessarily. Sometimes they are, I think, but so in this case, it's like you're not shackled and you're in your nice clothes, but underneath you is this like stun belt thing. So remotely operated. Yeah, though if I hit the button, you'll <laughs> oh, get a. Sh- it's oh, like a shock collar around your waist. <laughs> I'd have to be watching that. Watch, watch, watch. <laughs> any minute now. So he's saying, 
that the I you know that was prejudicial, but it was a common practice at least by two thousand one. I had never heard it. No. Basically, it was a belt that could be activated if the defendant would to get were to get out of hand. It was never used or even seen in the trial. But I think they're saying a couple of jury members knew about the stun gun belt thing. Well, they know about it, so it's kind of like seeing me in jail clothes. There was an appeal in September of 2014 in which the death penalty was upheld. So they're like, sorry, you're still going to die. For murdering the 10th president of the United States. 40 years from now, we will put you to death. Yeah. August 2017, a federal appeals court threw out the death sentence for John Stevenson based on the fact that his lawyer, lawyer failed to object to the stun belt being used during both his trial and his sentencing phase. A box on the belt that contained electrical wires had been hidden under Stevenson's shirt, but visible as a bulge to jurors, four of whom had been aware of the belt. Though the appeals court upheld Stevenson's conviction, Circuit Court Judge Richard Posner said the belt contaminated the penalty phase of his trial. And the appeals court said Indiana can ask a jury to reimpose the death penalty if Stevenson does not wear the stun belt. So I was like, does that mean if they have a new trial, he can't, just as long as he's not wearing the stun belt, they can give him the death penalty again? I was like, that sounds yes. a little um, yeah. Or ask a judge, judge to impose a lesser penalty. He was resentenced on October 2018 in which he received a lesser sentence. His earliest possible release date is now April 2051. So wait a second. Yeah. He went from, from the death penalty to you have a release date. Mm-hmm. We've seen this a couple of times that it jumps from you're going to be executed to, well, here, you'll get out in 20 years then. We've seen it a number of times that people that you think are going to be executed. Okay. Even if not executed, then you're going to have to spend life without parole here. Oh, yeah. Nope. Nope. It's we. It's really weird how it changes. Now, which one's this? Is this Dale? No, that's not Dale. No, um, I think the rest of them went on to have inner encounters with law and drug and other theft charges and stuff. This is the John Stevenson who was being Stevenson okay. that you couldn't prove. I was like, okay, even if you could say he's guilty, is he guilty enough that you're like for sure enough that he needs the death penalty based on Dale Funk? Like, mm-hmm. and Dale even admit he lied, and then the other guy plead the fifth. And then one other guy's like, yeah, but he washed a bloody knife off at my house. And then I buried a rifle. He's at the Miami Correctional Facility. Where so they don't pick, pick him up, up if you're on your way to South Bend. Yeah. So, and I watched a documentary about people on death row because he was in it. He said about three words. And I was like, son of, like, I'm, <laughs> well, here, to get, effort, I'm here to get audio clips to put in my <laughs> podcast. You need to talk. <laughs> That common fate inspires unusual friendships. John Stevenson was a member of an organized criminal gang. He assassinated three people. Benjamin Ritchie, who had met before, killed a police officer. Hi, how are you doing? Pretty good, man. You been all yeah, right? Yeah. Good to see you. Yeah, how you doing? Good to see you. Good. You two are in adjoining cells. How long have you been friends? About 11 years. Since I got here on death row, he was already here when I got here. How did this friendship come about? What, what, What drew you to each other as friends? Well, just we got the same interests. I mean, we play our music loud. We 
We play video games. We work out, play basketball, eat together. If shit goes down, we whoop a motherfucker's ass together. That's, you know, that's how our friendship came about. Does that mean you have a lot in common? Yeah. Well, I thought we did. <laughs> You're not sure anymore. Uh, no, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't want you two friends to argue about that. No, we're not going to argue. Oh, hell no. No. What's it? No, I mean, if, if anything, we always argue, but we've never come to blows over nothing. No, never. We're like, fuck That'll you, never fuck happen. you, and then half hour later, hey, what are we eating tonight? You know, yeah, it's yeah. over. Yeah. It don't matter. Yeah. Don't mean nothing. I'm, I'm always not... right in the end, so. Fuck yeah. He's the voice of reason. Well, You're the voice of anger, from what you say. Absolutely, yeah. You know, Is that right? He keeps a leash on me. Yeah. Like, I'd rather lash out at somebody. Like, when I first met Boyan, he, he hated me. Because I was just a straight-up asshole. I'd be in your face, fuck you, you know? Come on in the shower and let's fight. And I calmed way down since then. Yeah, most of the police, they couldn't stand my ass. <coughs> and I got allowed around older cats, and they calmed me down. From your point of view, what's this friendship based on? We heard from Richie what he, he thought about trust, it. Trusting in each other, you know? And, you know, basically like, that's, you know, trust. Like if shit goes you down, know. I got his back, he's got mine. See, that's why they moved us, because he got into it with a dude up here, in here, and uh, almost killed him. And the police had to come in and stop it. And uh, after they broke it up and everything, administration got wind that I was going to try to kill the dude, because he cut my buddy with a knife. And so they moved me and my buddy, Tex, here to the back and moved dude up in the front by himself. So nobody could get to the dude. Within the first two weeks of being on death row, I watched a man get murdered in front of me, get stabbed up 42 times, dispatched instantly. And that was my wake up to death row. Like, if you, you come here, you want to be a bully, you want to take shit from people, this is what's going to happen to you. The dude was just butchered. Although you witnessed something so horrendous, you still sound pretty angry. But see, here's the thing. If you show any sign of weakness in here, the sharks will circle. I won't be a victim. I'll be one of the sharks. Well, I think the sharks are going to circle regardless. Well, what about Brandy? She's, she's a fine girl. What happened to those two? The the ones that got murdered. Was that Brandy? There were two, two Brandys. Brand, yeah. Saying. I think all the rest of them just had, you know, interactions with police. You know, they're still. I mean, what's the odds of having two Brandys? I, I mean, you know. I, in rural Indiana. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> did they ever think that maybe this guy was just trying to get Jodie Foster's attention since he did try to, since he did assassinate the president of the United States or a former president of the United States? He might have been. And then he realized, oh shit, this guy just has the same name. John Stevenson was the guy's name. John Tyler. Oh, John Tyler. Oh, okay. Yeah. Man, welcome to the sh show. Hey, I've been reading. I've been doing a lot of reading just now. <laughs> oh, so I couldn't believe you can sentence someone to death based on testimony from eyewitnesses. The people that may not be telling the truth purposely. Well, can you believe it when someone cuts their wife's head off and gets off scot-free? Yeah. No. And it's like, because that, I was like, there'd be so much evidence. There would be something. There was yeah. a lot of evidence. So much evidence. And it's like, with this, it's just, yeah, but Dale said you did it. And we like Dale. Yeah. He's funky. He's never lied to us before. <laughs>
Oh, man. I might put some audio clips in here just from the documentary about people on death row. They give them cats. You can apply to have a cat. Does it go with you? When you go, go. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not. That's a because good question. You, it's only the people on death row get Um, I animals. think I've seen it know that you can get them also, but you have to be in like honor dorms. You know, you've been there for quite a while and you're very well behaved and you can apply. But because, you know, regular cells, God, less than half this room, like, and you're sharing it with a person too from here over. Or maybe that might be a single person cell. And you better get along with yeah. that person. The honor cells are more like the space in between our wall to our washer and dryer. So they're bigger, but still. What do you mean honor? Like if you're, yeah. you have no, you're an inmate, probably a long-term inmate, maybe not death row, but probably life. If you're well-behaved, then you get incentives, which they hardly ever have. And that's a bigger cell. Maybe you still share it with someone, but it's better than having a single cell in general pop where it's everyone. And then the other style is almost like is a big open space dorm style, but they're like little cubicles, little walls, like waist high. So it's not any privacy or anything, but yeah. And they're in there for 23 hours a day. I was watching this documentary. I started started to get claustrophobic. I was like, man, I don't like that. You know, I was watching YouTube uh, the other day, and I came across this uh, site, whatever you call it. And they, what it was was they were showing you the reaction of teenagers in court when they're told they have a life sentence. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, just bad. Yo, man, they, they don't take it well. No, we covered a, the first teenager to get the death penalty. Uh, Paula Cooper murdered an old woman. She too got out, even though she got the death penalty. Hmm. But yeah, it was, she was like, oh, she's 16. That name sounds familiar, but. Yeah, it was. It was a big deal, I think. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they don't take it real well. (laughs) That was another guy they interviewed there said he's been there since he was 13. He killed two people on a robbery, broke in and had a tiny little cell all to himself. He'll never get out. I was like, oh, man, 13. 13. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not normal. And how old was he at that time? 30. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's like, he goes, I've been in here longer than I've been out. So, you know. A lot longer. Yeah. 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 One guy on death row couldn't read or write. So he just cleaned his cell all day long. And I was like, because he didn't have anything else to do. Oh, man. And I was like, Ugh. and they do have TVs and video games. They do. They do. They play a lot of handball. Like they have wall, vertical walls up. I am. Where did Mikey go to prison? I, uh, uh, Putnamville. But okay. The Indiana State Prison was the one that this, is rough. It's, well, this yeah. one was. There yeah. are all, all are. I'm yeah. Sure. I've said before, I could, if uh, being a woman, I could do time. I could do it. Not not a man. No, you don't want to do that. Not, not, not there. No. No. So I think it was the same idea. It was pretty rough. Although, although jail was worse. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, yep, it is. You know, they say that. But no, the death penalty, I think, should be reserved for people that murder kids. Like, that's, that's what that should be for. I was like, that's that's what the torture, abuse, murder of children should be reserved for the the death penalty for those people. Mm -hmm. Someone who murdered someone. And if it's beyond a reasonable doubt, like, there's no way you didn't do it. 
on the spot. I don't I don't yeah. care what happened to you or any yeah. of that. And so that was one of the guys on death row. He had his own cat and the whole deal. And I was like, you, you get... murdered a kid. Like, yeah. why are you that still should be, here? You go, you go to the front of the line. Yeah. You lose oh, your... 15 years later, you're still here. No one needs you breathing our give air. Them, give them one appeal. But <laughs> after that, mm-hmm. when you're, when click, no, no more appeals. Boom, you're, you're executed the next day. One of the other guys on death row, he's like, if I get a chance to get near that guy, I'll fucking kill him. He was like, because he was no, in they there. They do kill him, too. Yeah, he was yeah. like, if I get, he, he shouldn't be here. So he's like, you're on. And death what are row. they going to do? It'd take forever to prosecute for yeah. that. And that was John Stevenson's cellmate, the one he did a lot of talking. Was like, I will kill someone. That he's like, I don't forget what he was in there. I forget for him death row, but it wasn't killing a kid. But there's certain guys like that that they know they have to keep them separated. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they were talking about that, like their chart color system of who can't be near who when. <laughs> but one guy yeah, on death Chomo row, is what they're yeah. Calling. One guy on death row got to leave every day and go to the hospital for his insulin shot. He's like, I am one of the luckiest guys because I get to walk just this air from once just to go out there and back. It's probably the best part of my day. And I was like, that's so depressing. Mm. But so, yeah, maybe I'll put some clips of that. And I think the guy doing all the interview is not pro death penalty, but he is just there to interview everyone. He's not there to like preach to people of how bad it is. Or how wrong the death penalty is. He's just there to talk to the guys. Superintendent Bill Wilson, who presides over all executions at Indiana State Prison, is taking me to its death chamber. So these are the steps which an inmate who is about to be executed would take into this into this area. Correct. Um, there's a a process or a time frame in which we do everything. But yes, uh, approximately between four and five, uh, the night of the execution, we would bring the offender over here and he would be housed in a uh, holding cell until the time of the execution. As the appointed time for the execution draws nearer, the prisoner is kept under close observation. This is usually a very quiet time for the offender, though. Some make themselves uh, preoccupied with television. Uh, Others just sit here and and meditate and and are very quiet for the last few hours. My job is one single event, and that's to to put this man to death. That's that's very um, a, a surreal moment in time. How do inmates react right at this at this point every every execution that i've been a part of every offender has done it differently most have always has at this point they've they've accepted their 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 station their position the the process and that's happening um one of them the the first execution that i was ever a part of the offender turned to us and and apologized to us about having to put us in this place. And he basically said, I'm sorry, you guys have to do this. Do people resist? I mean, there's not very much to resist with handcuffs all around and being tied up to the gurney. The only time I've ever had any resistance was one offender was passive. He didn't actually participate in in movement. He didn't participate in getting on the bed. Uh, So we had to actually carry him uh, from, from the holding cell and onto the execution bed. Are there any any words exchanged? What what do you say? 
Well, we do everything we can uh, to make sure that the offender is comfortable. We do talk to him. We, we make sure that he understands where we're at in the process. Um, we, we constantly are encouraging him to ask questions or just trying to be there for him. Once he's uh, placed on the gurney, he's allowed to give a final statement. An actual death warrant is read to him so that he understands, again, why he's in this position. And uh, at that point, then, we start the execution process. You know, in Japan, I think Japan, maybe it's China, when they give someone the death penalty, they put them in their, the cell, and they never tell them when. Oh, yeah. That's rough. So every time someone walks in, mm -hmm. someone of authority, they don't know if they're coming to get them or not. That's that's some real psychological yeah. torture yeah. there. Because one of the days, it, it is, is this. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people hate the death penalty, and I don't agree with it the way it's set up now. It should just be reserved for people that are kids and that would so fix a lot of problems well i think should be reserved for a lot of things mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of evil people out there that are not going to be rehabbed no and so that's also is if you get rid of people out of prison that are there for drug crimes and proper treatment and services afterwards you have more room to house those people that keep getting out <laughs> yeah <laughs> their, their name on the cell for when they come back yeah i'll be like we'll see you in a little bit <laughs> Yeah, so that's about all I got, I think. This has been a year of... Bliss. Bliss. We're going to make Carla do some research next. <laughs> she has a life. Everyone hold your breath until that happens. <laughs> Don't do that. No. Do not hold your breath. Or drink a lot of water. Yeah. Those two things, together especially. Hold your breath and drink water. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll be back next week and there should be more patreon we'll do that right yes more patreon i've offered to do it a couple times okay i gotta have something typed out I, how often do we have stuff typed out for the patreon only when i do it because i can't do because, it yeah you could do it we've talked about we've got topics so let's do that right now go go on an adventure no <laughs> And for honest to goodness, stay, stay out, out of, of the, the car. Yeah. <laughs> stay in your lane. Yeah. They eventually took my leave of Indiana State Prison and the 1,900 men confined within its walls. But the memory of what I saw and heard here will stay with me for the rest of my life. <laughs>